0: Book one, chapter five, of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henrietta Temple, by Benjamin Disraeli. Book one, chapter five, a domestic scene. Years glided away without any remarkable incidents in the life of young Ferdinand. He seldom quitted home except as companion to Glastonbury. In his pedestrian excursions when he witnessed a different kind of life from that displayed in the annual visit which he paid to grandison the boy amused his grandfather with whom therefore he became a favorite the old lord indeed would have had no objection to his grandson passing half the year with him and he always returned home with a benediction a letter full of his praises and a ten pound note lady armine was quite delighted with these symptoms of affection on the part of her father towards her child and augured from them important future results but sir ratcliffe who was not blessed with so sanguine a temperament as his amiable lady and who unbiased by blood was perhaps better qualified to form an opinion of the character of his father-in-law never shared her transports and seldom omitted an opportunity of restraining them it is all very well my dear he would observe for ferdinand to visit his relations lord grandison is his grandfather it is very proper that he should visit his grandfather i like him to be seen at grandison that is all very right grandison is a first-rate establishment where he is certain of meeting persons of his own class with whom circumstances unhappily and here sir ratcliffe sighed debar him from mixing and your father constance is a very good sort of man i like your father constance you know very much no person could ever be more courteous to me than he has ever been I have no complaints to make of him, Constance, or your brother, or indeed of any member of your family. I like them all, persons more kind or more thoroughly bred, I'm sure I never knew, and I think they like us. They appear to me to be always really glad to see us and to be unaffectedly sorry when we quit them. I am sure I should be very happy if it were in my power to return their hospitality and welcome them at our mine, but it is useless to think of that god only knows whether we shall be able to remain here ourselves all i want to make you feel my love is that if you are building any castle in that little brain of yours on the ground of expectations from grandison trust me you will be disappointed my dear you will indeed but my love if your father die to-morrow my dear he will not leave us a shilling and who can complain i cannot he has always been very frank "'I remember when we were going to marry, "'and I was obliged to talk to him about your portion. "'I remember it as if it was only yesterday. "'I remember his saying, "'with the most flattering smile in the world, "'I wish the five thousand pounds, Sir Ratcliffe, "'were fifty thousand pounds for your sake, "'particularly as it will never be in my power to increase it. "'But, my dear Ratcliffe, "'surely he may do something for his favorite Ferdinand.' "'My dear Constance, there you are again. "'Why, favorite?' i hate the very word your father is a good-natured man a very good-natured man he is one of the best-natured men i ever was acquainted with he has not a single care in the world and he thinks nobody else has and what is more my dear nobody ever could persuade him that any one else has he has no idea of our situation he never could form an idea of it if i chose to attempt to make him understand it he would listen with the greatest politeness shrug his shoulders at the end of the story tell me to keep up my spirits and order another bottle of madeira in order that he might illustrate his precept by practice he is a good-natured selfish man he likes us to visit him because you are gay and agreeable and because i never asked a favour of him in the whole course of our acquaintance he likes ferdinand to visit him because he is a handsome fine-spirited boy and his friends congratulate him on having such a grandson and so Ferdinand is his favorite. And next year I would not be surprised if you were to give him a pony, and perhaps if he die, he will leave him fifty guineas to buy a gold watch. Well, I dare say you are right, Ratcliffe, but still nothing that you can say will ever persuade me that Ferdinand is not Papa's decided favorite. Well, we shall soon see what this favor is worth, retorted Sir Ratcliffe rather bitterly. Regularly, every visit for the last three years, your father has asked me what I intended to do with Ferdinand. I said to him last year more than I thought I ever could say to anyone. I told him that Ferdinand was now fifteen, and that I wished to get him a commission, but that I had no influence to get him a commission, and no money to pay for it, if it were offered me. I think that was pretty plain, and I have been surprised ever since that I ever could have placed myself in such a degrading position as to say so much. Degrading, my dear Ratcliffe, said his wife. I felt it as such, and such I still feel it. At this moment, Glastonbury, who was standing at the other end of the room examining a large folio, and who had evidently been uneasy during the whole conversation, attempted to quit the room. "'My dear Glastonbury,' said Sir Ratcliffe with a forced smile, "'you are alarmed at our domestic broils. Pray, do not leave the room. You know we have no secrets from you.' "'No, pray do not go, Mr. Glastonbury,' added Lady Armite. "'And if, indeed, there be a domestic broil,' AND HERE SHE ROSE AND KISSED HER HUSBAND. AT ANY RATE, WITNESS OUR RECONCILIATION. SIR RATCLIFFE SMILED AND RETURNED HIS WIFE'S EMBRACE WITH MUCH FEELING. MY OWN CONSTANCE, HE SAID, YOU ARE THE DEAREST WIFE IN THE WORLD, AND IF I EVER FEEL UNHAPPY, BELIEVE ME, IT IS ONLY BECAUSE I DO NOT SEE YOU IN THE POSITION TO WHICH YOU ARE ENTITLED. I KNOW NO FORTUNE TO BE COMPARED TO YOUR LOVE, RATCLIFFE, AND AS FOR OUR CHILD, NOTHING WILL EVER PERSUADE ME THAT ALL WILL NOT GO RIGHT and that he will not restore the fortunes of the family. Amen, said Glastonbury, closing the book with a reverberating sound. Nor indeed can I believe that providence will ever desert a great and pious line. End of Book One, Chapter Five